You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Little Me Growing Up Broadway. My guest today is an Olivier-nominated actress who's regarded one of Broadway's most beloved ingenues. She is best known worldwide for reinventing the role of Christine Daae in Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera. She portrayed the role in the Broadway, in the West End, and the televised 25th anniversary concert production of Phantom. She made her Broadway debut as Ariel in Disney's The Little Mermaid, receiving a Drama Desk and Drama League nomination. Her additional Broadway credits include Masterclass, It Should Have Been You, and School of Rock. In the West End, she appeared as Fontaine in Les Mis and originated the role of Christine in Love Never Dies, the sequel to Phantom of the Opera. She has toured the world performing sold-out concerts. She's appeared on multiple Broadway cast albums as well as her live solo recording, Awakening, live at 54 Below. She's one of the greatest teachers we have ever had at Broadway Workshop. I love her very much. Please welcome my friend, Sierra Boggess. Hey! Oh, this is Hi, so bud. Awesome. Hi, How are you? you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good now that you're here. We're celebrating Thanksgiving today. I love and, that. And we love Thanksgiving. We do. Give thanks. We do love Thanksgiving. We're going to we give do. some thanks a little later in the episode. I'm giving a little thanks to you because you have been like honestly one of the greatest people I have known through this Broadway workshop journey. And I'm so grateful to know you and have you in my life. And so I can't think of a better way to uh, say happy Thanksgiving than with Miss Sierra Bogus. That makes me so happy because I feel the same. I feel so fortunate that we know each other and that we met through a mutual friend too. The reason I know about you is Marissa McGowan. Shout out to Marissa McGowan. Shout out She's- right away. She's the best. We yeah. grew up together and I was like, oh, you're the most talented person I've ever met. <laughs> uh, and like the most beautiful. And and pretty She's gorgeous. Like so gorgeous. Yeah. Okay. So now you weren't a Broadway child star, but you were a child star in your own right. There's no way that that light and that <laughs> spirit was walking around Denver, Colorado and not being the star of everything she did. So take me back to the Bogus family living room. What were you doing as a kid were you like sopranoing all over the house? How did we know that we had some talent, that we had a gift? I mean, I grew up in a really musical household. So my parents, they're both musical, but not musicians. My Both of my sisters are exquisite musicians. Um, and the three of us grew up playing instruments. So I played the flute, my sister plays cello, and my other sister plays oboe and piano. So what I remember about growing up and actually specifically in my living room is performing in trios with my sister. So, and, and performing, I mean, like when guests come over and it's like, guys do something, you know. <laughs> we company, were I love company. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in comes company and we're <laughs> now performing for them. Um, so we were we were definitely the, the three sisters that performed together all the time. We also sang like, uh, together, even though both my sisters would never sing in public now, because they're such they're they're both introverted too. So you only think I was like the star running around because I was the only extrovert, you know. Um, <laughs> like, what and, were you singing? Were you singing like folk songs? Like, no, I didn't grow up singing folk songs. I mean, so I was in the Colorado Children's Chorale, which is I don't know really how to explain it, but it's a it's a singing 
uh, choir in Colorado and you start when you're like, you audition to get into to it when you're like in second or third grade and then you graduate in eighth grade and like boys that their voice voices change before eighth grade then they um, they have to like leave you know they it's a go. very they got to go um which is go. i mean that's tricky but it was it was a really amazing uh like choir to be a part of for, so i was a part of that choir from third grade till eighth grade and so i was singing always um like I loved singing in harmony with people. Like it made me so happy to sing with people. I never really was like, uh, I don't know. I wasn't really singing a lot of solo stuff. I was always singing with people, which is I think part of why I love what I do so much because it, it was just always about like being with others and creating music with others. And did you know you were better than most of the other kids in the chorale? Oh, absolutely. Like, were you not. like, oh, I have a beautiful voice. I'm I'm gonna be Sierra Vargas. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. No. <laughs> no, Mark. Like, that's the thing is no. I I didn't think that I had anything special at all. I just loved being in front of people. I knew that I wasn't afraid of that made me really, really excited, like when we got to perform and stuff. Um, it made me excited to audition for like special parts in in the choir, whatever. Like I I I absolutely was never afraid of performing in front of people. And in fact, I mean, that goes back to these like little house concerts I would do with my sisters. And I remember my parents asking us all the time, like, can you sing together? Like we would sing to the three of us would sing Andrew's sister stuff, like Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. I love like, that. you know, so it's like all in harmony. But I, re I remember my sisters both didn't feel like doing it. They never wanted to perform. They were really, um, they didn't, they were nervous about it. And for me, I remember being confused of why they would be nervous about it. So like, why don't you do this great thing? It's so yeah, fun. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, this would be great. <laughs> like, applause? Sure. So that's all that I knew for sure. But I didn't think that my voice was anything special. I mean, I can go into that deeper if you want. I mean, what, 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 what are you thinking? Well, I mean, that takes me to like my, even my high school and my college years. Like, I, I never thought of myself as the best one. Um, the one who was had the most talent or anything like that. I can point to a number of uh, things in which I felt. Um, I remember going to the to Broadway. Uh, what was it called? Broadway. It was that. It, it was the group uh, or the. Um, it was the workshop that Ann Ranking ran. In, oh, that's the yeah yeah in Florida. Yeah, well, I yeah. can't remember what that was called. Broadway, Broadway Theater Project. I remember okay. going there and you auditioned when you auditioned for that, which was would have been my the summer in between freshman and sophomore year of college. And I remember auditioning to get into that workshop and the groups that you got put in. If you made it into the workshop, you got put in A through E. Well, A was the best group. Well, I was in group E. I was not a triple threat. I was not these incredible like people. And I was, I did not have confidence at all. I didn't think much of myself whatsoever. I really, really didn't. So it was, I, but it was my work ethic. That was the thing that set me apart is what I realized when I look back, it's like, oh, I see. There was tons of people better than me, but I, I, uh, I'm never afraid of putting in the work. I love that. Now yeah. you were also a little ice skater as a, as a child. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me how that happened. Well, that's all that's, to be honest, that's what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't well, <laughs> really think of it. Now I'm doing check, it. <laughs> check out your Instagram because she's spinning, she jumping. <laughs> she's testing into adult levels or whatever. I mean, we're, I need to unpack this in a minute with you. We will. But, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I'm, I, I'm like, is Sierra? going on tour of the ice capades what is happening <laughs> um okay so yes i grew up ice skating i'm from denver colorado so very cold it is very cold and um i suppose that's a sport in colorado that a lot of people probably do but what that entailed i started skating when i was four years old with my older sister summer um we both were skating 
And it, uh, we would go to the ice rink three times a week before school. So that means that you're on the ice by 6 a.m. You're off the ice by 7.30. And then you're at school by 9. Yeah, um, yeah but I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, I don't know why I loved it so much. I don't know why to this day I love it so much, but there is something absolutely just euphoric about it. And it wasn't something that made me nervous. Um, it was something that just brought me a lot of joy and it's what I wanted to do with my life. And the, the reason that I had to stop was cause it's an incredibly expensive sport. And now that I'm paying for it myself, I'm like, Oh, geez, oh, that's-, that's why. <laughs> So it was just, it was so, so expensive for my family. And so I had to stop that when I was uh, about 12 years old. Um, and when I, when I think about it, uh, like Michelle Kwan, she was like, by the time she was 13, she was like, you know, <laughs> she was like winning things. It's like on my television. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. Yeah. When I, when I look now, it's like, oh, these were the skaters I was watching. They were close to my age. That's what's so crazy. It's really, and then you really found your way back to the ice during COVID yes. because you had some free time for the first time in <laughs> ever. Yes. And, uh, and now you are like, what, what level are you at? If it was karate, you were like, <laughs> almost black belt. <laughs> so now you test as an adult skater. So if you're over the age of 21, you're out, you're taken out to pasture. Okay. No. Uh, so 21 plus you're considered an adult skater, which duh. And so you test as an adult. So I passed in the, uh, I think in May or June, I passed my adult pre-bronze levels. And then I just passed my adult bronze levels. So next is to pass my adult silver and then adult gold. And then like what happens? I don't really know, Mark. I mean, anything could happen. Oh my <laughs> I God. Really I know. love it. If you're not following Sierra Bogus, you're not listening to this episode. But <laughs> if you're if you're not, go check out Watch Your Skate. It brings me so much joy every day because it does look like you're having the time of your life and you're doing and you're working so hard. We've all we've all got to see you sort of like re-get back on the ice and now be like kind of really good at it again. Well, I'm I'm getting better for sure, but it's like and and I'm actually I'm so glad to be filming everything because that's also some I was skating in the 90s. I didn't have like unless your mom brought like the huge giant camcorder, you know, and you don't have videos. Yeah. In it. You don't really have much, but it is helping me progress also. One because I'm learning I'm relearning something as an adult so you have a different body awareness. And then two because I am able to film myself so I can watch what my coach is saying this is what you're doing then I can see what that is and I can help like do self corrections and stuff. I love all of it. Now, while you were in high school, something must have happened at some point that you went, I'm going to study this in college. This is the thing I want to do, whether I'm the best or not. What was the moment that happened in those four years that was like, now I know that this is what I'm meant to do? Um, I, I, so in high school, I went to an inner city public high school. George in Washington Devil- high school. Correct. George Washington high school. And, um, I had, and this is one of the people that I will, that I'm very grateful for. Uh, Nancy Priest was my drama teacher. We called her Priest. Um, I say called as if she's, she's not dead. She's still alive and well and thriving very, very beautifully. Um, but I say that because she retired the year I graduated, she also retired, but she was the drama teacher, uh, for 30 years at George Washington high school. And I think for me, it was being in drama class and it was not an easy A drama class. It was like, she was really tough and she took it really seriously and she took the camaraderie seriously too. And that how we, um, when we're, when we're not cast on stage that we're helping paint the sets, even if we were cast on stage, we still paint the sets and help sew the costumes and we help and we are, and if we're not, uh, cast on stage, then we're like, doing the makeup or we're helping with lighting or all of this stuff so that it really was this community feeling, um, which I think is so valuable for the age you are when you're in high school, that that's what you're learning. So I, she also, my sophomore year of high school, she took us to New York 
And so that was the first time I ever went to New York. That was when I saw my first Broadway shows. Which was um, what? Chicago. And this is 96. So Ooh. I saw Anne Ranking and B.B. Newworth. Oh, wow. Um, and then we also saw Titanic, the musical. You know I love Titanic. I do too. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I love that show so much. I had the cassette tape, of course. Um, we also saw Lion King. It was also the year Lion King came what out. A we also saw what Rent. a trip. What a You saw Rent in high school? Yes. Like, with your school? That's wild. Yes. I know, because wow. when, when I was in high school, when we were in high school, Rent was like how Wicked became. For like mm-hmm. high school kids, and then now Hamilton is for high school kids, right? I saw Rent with Marissa McGowan. <laughs> oh my god! We were in. I she was in tenth grade, and I was in eleventh grade. I think just so yeah. crazy. Um, okay. All right, what? Well, obviously that trip must have been transformative for you. Yes. So the answer to your question is, it was Nancy Priest. It was her class. It was the way that uh, that theater just felt so like where I belong. And then I don't remember how I learned because I didn't know the term musical theater. And I just knew that I needed to get a degree because my father uh, wanted me to wanted all of us to make sure that we have a college degree. So once I learned that you could major in musical theater, that's when it became like, okay, so that's what I'm doing. So it was really just, I think, what made me realize I'm going to do this is once I made the decision that that's what I'm majoring in, it was like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. So it was really that. What shows did you do in high school? Oh, in high school, we I did um, freshman year. I was the lead dancer. That's right. Lead dancer in music okay. band. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know. That shows the level at, um, in music, man. And I remember... I remember my audition for that, Mark. You're going to die. I brought in my boom box, okay, right. with CD of the soundtrack to Mirror Has Two Faces, <laughs> at which I set it down and I pressed play for to dance to a dance I made up um, in my jazz shoe uh, to I Finally Found Someone, sung by Barbara Streisand and Brian Adams. Great. You're welcome. And so I was cast. <laughs> Uh, I did that. As the lead dancer. <laughs> As the lead dancer. <laughs> <laughs> then we also did Me and My Girl, where I was just in there. Um, and then uh, I was probably not lead dancer. Um, we, uh, I did uh, Fiddler on the Roof. I was Hoddle. Great. And uh, I did Godspell. I was Sonia. I was Turn Back Oh Man. Coming down the aisles of my high school, sitting on people's laps and stuff. Turn back, oh man. Um, and then followed, of course, by Sarah Brown and Guys and Dolls. All right. That's a good that's a good one. <laughs> and we did plays, too. We did a lot of plays. We did It Runs in the Family. Which I can't remember who the playwright is. Um, but we also, one of my favorites was being the pigeon, one of the pigeon sisters in, in the Odd Couple? Couple. Yes. Oh, my God. How fun. So, yeah. We did lots of plays. Oh, my God. What? Thank you, Miss Priest. Mrs. Thank you, Priest. Amen. Thank you, Priest. Priest. And then did she sort of say, oh, you should look at Millican? Like, how did you find Millican University, which is you have a BFA from, and you always speak so beautifully about your experience there yeah, and why I, it was the right choice for you? Yes. I found Millican because that was the school that my mother and my grandmother went to, which is extremely random in a way because it's in Decatur, Illinois. Like, that is a very tiny place in the middle of Southern Illinois. My mom was born in Decatur. Um, my grandmother went there on the GI Bill. So it was just, it was a school that I knew about because of them. And it's a very small school or else I wouldn't have known about it. Um, and so I auditioned there and I also auditioned at uh, University of Northern Colorado because it's always cheaper to go in state. So I needed to, you know, audition there. And then I also auditioned at Juilliard and I also okay. auditioned at CCM. And I remember my, uh, my feeling when I went to CCM was I was incredibly intimidated. I mean, I was beyond terrified. Um, that was definitely not the environment 
for me um, at that age, at 17 years old. Um, and you know, we talk about this in our in when I teach with you, and I that's why I think it's so important for kids that are looking at colleges to go to different sizes of schools to check them out and just see what you because people might be telling you you're the greatest thing that's ever been. But if you're in an environment that you're not going to thrive in, if it's overwhelming, then it's not going to be your best four years. And I really realized how much I would thrive in a small environment. Um, but I, And I didn't get in CCM. I should also say that. It's not because I got in everywhere I tried out. <laughs> I, I should say I didn't get in there. But I don't think I could have gone there even if I had gotten in because it, it was so, so intimidating to me. I mean, this is actually such a great thing for people to hear because I think a lot of times, especially because of YouTube and the way the world works, is that people think they, at 16, they have to have everything down perfect in order to be a star or whatever that means, where there is like so much time to cook in high school. There's so much to learn. There's so much to learn about who you are, so much to learn about how your voice works, so much about how you present yourself in the room. And you, you're not necessarily going to be the star walking into school, but you might be walking out or whatever. But I think it's a really important lesson that it doesn't, you don't need to know, you know, everything about what kind of performer you are at 16. That's right. I certainly didn't. I really didn't. No, I mean, not, none of us know. My, I, my, I feel like my our generation or whatever, like we didn't know anything at sixteen. No, I feel like I still don't. <laughs> no, you know lots of stuff. <laughs> do when you graduated, did you feel prepared to like really start auditioning? Did you feel like, all right, I'm ready to do this thing? I have trained. I'm ready. Or were you like, oh my god, what am I going to do now? Yes, I felt very ready. I felt extremely ready because one of the things that we did all the time in school was we auditioned. I mean, I auditioned countless, countless times throughout the semester. There would be student projects that you had to audition for. I mean, that was, I think, one of the best parts of my, uh, of going to school there um, because that was such a part of the curriculum and that you had to do a certain number of auditions. So I felt extremely, there was the one thing that I knew how to do was audition. And, um, so I I was ready. I was absolutely ready to do that. Now, that being said, I remember having this really fabulous moment with Tara Rubin casting when I first get there, because I do think that schools are antiquated in how they tell you to look for your auditions in New York. And, uh, the consensus was that you wear a lot of makeup and a jewel tone dress and, you know, a, a two inch character heel, probably beige tan. character heel, <laughs> yes, a beige character heel. nude character, heel. A nude. um, <laughs> and, you know, and that is not, especially when you, um, and I don't know if that's changed now, but that certainly was when I left school. Um, and I don't actually think that it's changed much because I still see <laughs> gaggles of girls in line for their auditions wearing a jewel tone. Jewel so tone, I, yeah, beige and, character shoes and a suitcase, and a suitcase. Just, in case, just in case they have to change And a shoes. giant book, you know, that you oh bring God. all your I'm selections. like, bring four songs. Yeah. That's it. That's do, all you do a favor for your back. Bring only four songs. <laughs> do a favor for your back. For your back. All right, so did, did someone tell you don't dress, don't wear this? Yes. So I auditioned for one of the first shows I auditioned for was called Princesses, uh, the musical directed by David Zippel and also conceived by David Zippel and Matthew Wilder. And um, and it was about high school kids. Well, I looked very much like a high school kid um, graduating from college. And so they are looking for exactly that. They're looking for kid, like people who look like they're just like, you know, in school. So you don't wear a jewel tone and a bunch of makeup um, to to high school. Um, so I remember going in and I did my audition and uh, they asked me to wait outside and, and I wait outside and then Tara Rubin, casting director, comes out and she says, okay, they want to see you back this afternoon for a callback. She said, but I need you to go home. I need you to put on a pair of jeans take off half that makeup and put your hair in a ponytail. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I, it was such a trust exercise to do what she said, even though of course, because I was like, I'd never, I would never have thought to do that. That felt like sacrilege based on my training. Everything that that you had been told. Yeah. Everything. And it was like, Oh God, 
Well, and so I did that. And that was my, that was a learning experience for me. That's like, we actually really want to see what you look like. Now that isn't for every single show. Obviously that's for stuff that's contemporary. That show was contemporary. Um, but I wouldn't dress like that going in and auditioning for Christine. You know, that's now a- you, you booked that princess's show. Yes, right? I did. Yes, yeah, I just did. Booked and blessed. Um, mm-hmm. How long was it before you booked Les Mis, which was your first, first really big job, Broadway national tour? Yes, where I met Marissa McGowan. Where you Our remember? episode is Every, called Marissa McGowan. <laughs> Marissa McGowan. <laughs> if it wasn't called Thanksgiving or whatever it's it going to be, be called. Yeah. <laughs> um, I booked Les Mis. Uh, so I graduated 2004, and then I booked Les Mis in 2005. Not bad. Not bad. And Princesses, I booked in 2004. And then we went out of town once. And then we went out of town again. And it was after that out of town, I came back. um, And I was here, or I was in New York for about a month. And then then the Les Mis tour happened. And now you had to feel like, all right, this is working. I'm living in New York. I'm doing the thing. I'm auditioning. I'm an actress. I booked a job. I, you know, it must, you must've felt like it must've felt special. It felt like it was strange when I think about it, it felt very aligned. It felt like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. Like, and I, and I also didn't realize how lucky I was because all the shows that I booked, so booking princesses, that I got a call that day that I had booked it. So I, I went in, I did the callback, and then I got a call that you booked princesses. Then with Les Mis, same thing. That day I walked out the room and I found out I booked it. Same with Phantom. Then Phantom Vegas happened and I got a call that day that I booked it. So I thought that's how this goes. <laughs> it wasn't until <laughs> later where it's like, oh, you wait to get a call. So I was very much like, the formula seemed to be yeah, you, you do the work, you go in, you know that you book it that day. And um, now, granted, there was still a period of time. I've worked still a regular job. I was like trying to get with a temp agency because that's what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked as a hostess at Cafe Fiorello across from Lincoln Center for, you know, a month um, <laughs> because then I booked my show. But it was like, I still, I felt like I was having the New York experience, you know, and I was living with Lindsay Mendez. Oh my God. We were living together. Wow. All right. So you book Les Mis and you hit the road in that show in the ensemble and covering, uh, um, which I'm sure was a thrill as someone who grew up in the same generation as me. That was the biggest thing. I mean, we talked about rent, but Les Mis was eclipsed everything in in my That's right. Yes, for sure. That was the cassette tape I wore out the most. And so it must have that must have been a, a cool moment to be like, oh my god, I'm I'm in like I'm in like as good as it can get, Les Mis. Oh like. yes, I didn't think it gets better than that. It's like I remember um, when I was learning the show, and I would sit on the barricade and watch the girl that I was, you know, that I would be replacing in the show, um, and I would watch her from sitting on the barricade off stage, and I just thought like, this is it, like. Uh, this nothing is better than this. And even when people ask me now, what's your favorite show that you've done? I still say Les Mis. And it's not even the time I played Fontaine. It's (laughs) It's the time that I was the understudy to Cosette and I was in the ensemble. And it's just because that show is, yeah, that's, I would have, I would have played anything in that show. It was the most magical, um, true, like New York, true, like, a Broadway kid's dream. Yeah. Tell everyone what your big solo line was if you were on in your normal track. And in a bed. Thank it's you. like the most, the most beautiful voice I've ever heard. <laughs> and that's all she's going to sing tonight. And in, and a, in bed. a bed. The end. I, thank uh, you. Thank, thank you so um, much. Thank you so um, much. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, <laughs> you do lame this for a while before Phantom comes knocking in the in the original Vegas production, which was a cut down, what, 90 minute version of Phantom that yeah. they built a theater for. And yep. you were to be the Christine in this very big uh, Vegas production of Phantom. Now, t- talk to me about what was happening in your head when all of that happened for you, because that's well, you've, you yeah. went from the ensemble to like the the biggest female role written in, in many, many years. Yes. So. It was a bizarre thing because I was on tour with Les Mis. I was on tour for six months and maybe five months into it, uh, people that were covering Cosette, playing Cosette, you know, any soprano in the company was having this audition for this new Vegas production of Phantom. Well, I wasn't, I didn't have an audition. I had an agent at the time um, who uh, is not my agent. <laughs> it was like Anne Steele. I know. I won't say who, but, um, I had this agent that I ended up calling my agent and saying, um, hi, it's all these people. I was so nervous to ask for this. I'm like, you know, all these people are, are, have this audition. And I was wondering if, if it would be okay if I, is there a way that I can audition for this? And, um, and, and the agent was like, no, you don't want to do that. That's not something that you want to do. Um, it's, you know, then you wouldn't be in New York, you would be in Vegas and uh, all these reasons why I shouldn't. Well, cut to, and I, this is why I talk about Tara Rubin too, because I credit Tara Rubin and Eric Woodall, who used to, uh, work with Tara Rubin specifically for calling me in for all of these auditions of things. Um, when I first graduated, because they saw me at my college showcase that's how. And so I had an agent who wasn't very good and it, it didn't matter because Eric Woodall would remember me and Tara Rubin's office would then call me in. Um, so next thing I know, I get this call from Tara Rubin's office to come and audition for, for Phantom. And so I did exactly that. And, and <laughs> then I booked exactly that. And I, and my audition was for Hal Prince and Jillian Lynn. They were both uh, and and my audition, wh- how crazy is this? My audition was at the Ambassador Theater where Chicago was playing. Oh my God, your first, first Broadway, Broadway show. show I saw. Isn't that wow. something? That's really something. Yeah. And Hal yeah. was so smart that he did his auditions on a Broadway stage because you audition differently when you're on a stage and it's seen differently. And it's just like, that's so, so smart as opposed to a cold, small room, you know? Um, so, that was an absolute dream come true because that for me was a role that I was singing in my bedroom since the nineties. Um, and, and I, I remember like writing in my diaries that I kept many a journal. Um, and just like, I feel like this part is made for me. I remember feeling like that as I was working on it. And, um, and it's important that I say too, our, in Vegas, we did 10 shows a week. So we were double cast. So there was another Christine and there was two phantoms. So there was two Christines and two phantoms and you switched off. So I, I performed with both Brent Barrett and Anthony Cravello as my phantoms. Um, and it was, and it was like even like everyone did five every week, five and five. Yeah. Five and five. So it was, um, it was amazing. And I remember a moment of, so because it was double cast, when we did the opening night, like the big opening night of this thing, you know, they're all there and it's Vegas. And it was, I mean, it was like a $90 million production. It was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and that's including like with the theater being built for it at the Venetian and all this stuff. But I remember the way, because they made a thing out of it cause it's Vegas. So they, um, they flipped a coin for who would be the opening night, Christine and Phantom. And it wasn't me. And I remember feeling I was, I was disappointed because of course I would have wanted that. But I remember feeling inside that's like, it's okay. Something is going to happen for me. Like on a, on a bigger scale someday. 
that I remember feeling like that. And just in my inside, it wasn't something I said to anyone. It was just, I just felt that I was like, yeah, so it's okay. Like it's okay. Something else is going to happen. And then of course, and, 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 and I don't know, I, I don't even know who the other Christine was. Um, just to, just to put it in, in perspective. The other, the other Christine was a woman named Elizabeth Loyacano. Um, and she was a beautiful, beautiful dancer. Um, she had mostly been known for that because that was, um, I can't remember what shows that she had just finished doing. Um, but she was like somebody people knew and she was beautiful. Like she was very, um, I remember them saying like in her Christine stuff too, she looked very similar to like Sarah Brightman. She looked very similar to like big wide eyes and like the, and, and like an ethereal quality to her. When did you realize that Andrew could, was feeling something about your Christine that he was going to change the course of, of your life slash Christine's story by having you become this, this next Christine for this generation? Oh, the first, I, I remember this very clearly. So I was in Vegas and we were doing previews. And um, so we didn't have the opening night person yet or anything at this time, but we were doing previews. So we were switching off each night. And Andrew had come to see a preview and I was on as Christine. I didn't know he was in the audience or anything. So next thing we're getting notes, you know, as a company, we're standing backstage after the show and we're getting notes from the director and, and, um, and, and how wasn't there, this was, how was there, but he wasn't the one giving notes at this time. It was Artie Masella, who was his, who's his right-hand man. Um, so we're getting all these notes and next thing, David Caddick, who's the musical supervisor and conductor of the show, he pulls me over to like off stage. So everybody's like watching me leave the stage with David Caddick. And it's because Andrew wants to meet me. And so we go off and I have this moment with Andrew Lloyd Webber. And he is telling me what an amazing job he thought that I did and, and all this. And I'm just freaking out, you know, I'm like 23 years old or whatever. And thinking like, this is the most amazing. And I remember specifically David Caddick had just told had told Andrew that um, I have perfect pitch and both my sisters have perfect pitch and we're all musical and like all this stuff, which Andrew found very interesting. And like, we just had this moment that was very nice. And that was that, um, that was what that was. I didn't, I, so I knew that he really liked my Christine. Um, but then I didn't have any like interactions or anything with Andrew until a year and a half later. Um, cause then I went off and did little mermaid and no next- big deal made her yeah. Broadway debut as Ariel and a little mermaid. <laughs> it's a pretty good Broadway debut. Um, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. So you, you make your Broadway debut in little mermaid and you hear from Andrew after that. And he says, well, not yet because what? so that was it. That was the only interaction I had ever had with him was just that he saw me as Christine in Vegas and he thought it was very good. The next thing that happened was during Little Mermaid, I had an audition for Love Never Dies. And um, it was, you know, it was any, all the it girls of my like generation were there <laughs> in the waiting room at, at Telsey's office, I remember. Um, and I remember that uh, Andrew walked in with Glenn Slater, who was the lyricist, and Glenn Slater, who had been the lyricist as well on Little Mermaid. So I knew him. Um, but I, I said hi to Andrew as if he would remember me. I don't know if he did, to be honest with you. Um, I I can't imagine that he would have remembered me <laughs> from like when I think about it. But I went in and I did my audition and um, I got a call back that day uh, for it. And uh, I remember when my callback was, was for Jack O'Brien, the director, and I remember Jack saying in the audition when I came in and I sang my callback and he said, I understand why Andrew just wanted to hear you sing all day. And wow. so, um, I booked that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rewinding for two seconds because I have to touch down a mermaid and then we have to do some other things, but to obviously be a Disney princess and play Ariel and little mermaid it, it, feel, it felt like a cosmic moment that the show was starting out in Colorado 
and they needed someone who had some familiarity with skating. Yes. And it just seems and like Jody Benson, Jody Benson, voice of Little Mermaid, went to Milliken. Stop. It's if, like it's too many things. You know, like the the universe aligns sometimes in a very crazy way. But um did you go into that process being like, this is mine? It's too many things that are exactly where they're supposed to be. No, not at all. I did my first audition for the I was in Vegas playing Christine and I went to New York uh, for my, for like a vacation. Uh, and I auditioned on sort of on a whim for it. And this was like October of 2016. And I heard nothing back. I had no call back. I had, I heard nothing. And I knew that they had been looking for about a year for an aerial. And I was also hearing other friends who were having callbacks and all kinds of stuff. And so it just, I, I didn't think it was going my way, obviously. I go back to Vegas and, um, and I hear nothing. Then, um, about a month later, I get a call saying, would, would she come back in and audition, um, to cover Ariel and to be in the ensemble. And I told my agent, no, at that time I said, um, for some reason, I just didn't feel like that was how I was going to make my Broadway debut. And I wasn't really interested in that. I honestly thought that I was going to what I wanted was to make my Broadway debut in Phantom. And I thought, well, this is what I would rather do is play Christine. And I thought maybe I'll be the two a week Christine. Like that's <laughs> how I was dreaming. I was like, well, I, I would rather just wait to see if they'll transfer me from Vegas to, you know, cause that's how they used to do things and probably still do. I don't know. Like if you were on tour, then you get to be yeah. in, maybe I'm in the Broadway company. So that's what I was like. I would rather just wait for that. And, so I said no to going back in for, for that. And then cut to January of 2017. And I get a call that says, can she come back for a final callback for Ariel? And I'm like, final callback? I haven't even had one callback. I don't even know what the heck. And they said, no, it, like I thought that they were mistaken or something. Um, I'd also heard it had been cast. Like it was a whole thing. And they said no. And I had to get there in four days. I remember my ticket cost $750. And I thought, uh, well, if I get cast, this will have you know been worth it financially because then I'll get paid that money <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and so I flew. So I knew at that point that I'm being given a second chance. And I, um, I watched the film again, like at, at, as an adult. And I started looking at it as an adult of why do we love Ariel so much? What is it about this drawing? And I was like writing things down and giving myself all these notes and scoring my scenes and like analyzing her friendship with Flounder and like all kinds <laughs> of stuff, like treating it like an exceptional like piece, which it is. And then um, I learned that how they were doing the underwater stuff is on Healy's. So my dresser in Phantom has the same size feet that I do. She happened to have a pair of Heelys. We rolled up the carpet in my dressing room in Phantom and I practiced wheeling around on Heelys so that I knew what it felt like to be in these things and, and navigate like how, where do you put your feet? Like all kinds of stuff. So cut to my audition then when I came back in and I went in the room and at th then it was two rows of people behind the table. It was all the Disney executives and it was the director and the, all the, and Alan Menken center. And, um, I sang part of your world. And then Alan went over to the piano and said, can we try it in this key? Which then became the Broadway key because my voice sounded high, uh, sounded younger up a step. Yeah. So that's why the Broadway key is up a step. And, that's exactly what happened. And, and um, Michael Cosrin, who's the music director, he was like, yeah, this is your key. And um, it was, so that's what happened. And then I was asked to wait outside and I was in that callback for about four hours. And I read with Flounders. Um, there was four other girls as well that were in and out of things, but they kept, uh, I could tell that they really liked me because Stephen Muir, the choreographer, he brought me up to a, a room and was teaching me the choreography and like all this stuff that nobody else was being taught that like privately. 
Um, and then he came out also, I remember at one point and said, you ice skate? And I said, yes. And he was like, great. And went back in and I was like, so, um, I mean, I could feel you feel it. Like what that must've felt like in that hallway of like, Oh my God, is this happening? (laughs) Yeah. You're like, okay. But you still know that you have to keep showing up. So it's like, yes, you're ticking boxes, but you still have to stay focused with what you're there to do, which is to do the job. And so, um, and you have other eyes on you, you have other girls there and it's not over till it's over. So it's keeping that like attention on what you're there to do and not get too excited about something because you also don't know, cause these other girls had other callbacks. So you don't know if they're already, you know, if they're in favor and, and all this stuff. So And that was the first show that I didn't book that night. They took, you know, the weekend. And I was like, oh, God, I must not have booked it when I went back to Vegas and stuff. Because, But that's normal. That was a normal way that you did. Did your agent call you or did someone from the team want to call you to offer you that? My agent called me. And I remember her saying, and I was at the dentist's office. (laughs) And I remember her saying, um, uh, they are, you're like something like you're, I, I can't remember, but it was like, can you hold on a second? She had to click over. It was like, she clicked over and then she clicked back and she says, Ariel. <laughs> and I was like, ah, and that's how she told me. And I started crying. I mean, I was like, oh God. And I drove home from the dentist's office with my windows down, blaring. There are moments you remember all your life from Yentl. Oh, right. Always back to Barbara. Um, How do you sort of deal with the overnight sensation of becoming a Broadway star? Literally one day, nobody knows you, or at least New York audiences don't know you. And then the next day you're in blogs and people are waiting at the stage door and you're a star. And I'll never forget sitting, I think at Billy Elliot across the street and hearing you come out of the stage door that I could hear through the theater. Like, oh, wow. It was, and I was like, oh, that girl's going to be a really big star. Like when you had come out. (laughs) And so there was like, it just felt like instant. And I don't know how a person handles that. Because I don't feel like, because the, because that was 2007 and eight. So it's not the same world that we live in now where it feels, because we didn't have like a whole bunch, we didn't have social media really. And Mm -hmm. so I, I, the only way that I could know what was going on with what people are saying is if I read blogs, but I learned that uh, lesson when I was in Denver in the tryout that you don't read it. Cause for me, it was the first time. Yeah. The first time that you could Google yourself and things come <laughs> up and it was like a few articles, you know, and, but I learned that the hard way because as soon as you see people saying mean things about you, it now devastates you. So I learned to not look at anything while I'm doing this. And I don't know how people deal with this now, like young kids coming and it, it feels more overnight than what I was experiencing. But also remember, I didn't grow up with like a stage door atmosphere or I didn't stage door really people. Um, I didn't really understand what that was. So I didn't know that it was that people, I didn't get the concept that people knew who I was for a, for a while um until i started it still co- kind of weirds me out like getting recognized on the street was the first time that i started realizing but it wasn't like what we live in now where people really know what you look like out of makeup you know cuz i didn't <laughs> yeah. have like long red locks of like <laughs> of the wig people didn't really know what i looked like necessarily out of all the aerial stuff so I wasn't getting really recognized until later. I mean, it's so, just like a wild thing to be an overnight Broadway star. Um, yes. To play such an iconic part and it never yes. and to have never been on Broadway before. Yes, um, but I think that's what saved me, Mark, is because I didn't understand. I knew that I had a huge job to do, but because you you're ignorant to all the other stuff. You're just saying yes to everything. And it w- I was putting so much pressure on myself because I didn't want to be the one who ruins Ariel for people. 
Well, you made it, you made it for a lot of people too. So you, you, <laughs> you were brilliant in that show and it was such a dream to have that as my introduction to this girl who yeah. I am the biggest fan of. And obviously after, you know, we go, we do Love Never Dies, which is a really big moment to be part of the Phantom sequel, which I saw you do. It was before I knew you. And, yep. um, I, I loved that show. I thought it was so Me good. too. It was Me so too. interesting. And then obviously that show remounted as Love Never Dies 2.0 in the West End. You're in both of those versions. Yep. Right. Yes. Same. And then yep. um, I think I saw 2.0. And then you have the 25th anniversary concert, which we love to call your DVD. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, of course, you did Phantom on Broadway as the 25th anniversary, Christine. And you have like honestly touched a generation of young women, especially that have mm. seen Phantom for the first time through you. And yeah. I have seen it, uh, you know, in our classes and all kids from all around the world and teenagers and women. And they just have such a passion about Christine, but specifically your Christine. And mm. I wonder what you think that is. I think partly it's because they're seeing when you're getting to see it on film. So you're getting close-ups of what I am feeling and Yeah, but they're not uh, talking about Emily Rossum or whatever. They're talking about Oh yeah, that's about true. <laughs> you just blew my whole thing up then. I'm sorry. Know. It's cause it's not just because they're seeing your face, it's because what you're what you're doing. It's what your eyes are doing, sister. You well are. then you can you can answer the question for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like you must know that like the world loves to see you in that part. Like if there's something. I know because I get told that probably more than anything. Um, and that it really, and especially during this pandemic, I will say the amount of people um, that were saying it's like the, the 25th anniversary is like saving their lives. That blows my mind. That's like, um, I never feel more honored when I hear something like that. That's like, I feel glad that something I did did get recorded in a way that people are seeing it and they're responding to it. And I will also say for me, that night that that is recorded is one of my most connected favorite nights I ever had on stage. And I am so glad that it was filmed because um, I, I wasn't thinking about anything else except being like a, the, what Christine is going through in this time. That's what I well, was going through. You are remarkable. If you've not watched the 25th anniversary DVD, buy it, pay for it, <laughs> pay for it in full. Although now but it's it like you can stream it. Or I know you just watch on YouTube, DVD. but just, yeah. just watch it. It is so good. I was mm -hmm. never really honestly a super phantom fan. It just didn't do it for me for whatever reason. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then until I honestly saw you do it and I was like, Oh, I get why this show is so good. Like That's cool. I needed, That's cool. I, I needed Sarah Boggess in it. I needed uh, <laughs> I needed your fabulousness. All right. We have so many things to talk about and we kind of have to start wrapping up, but you are okay. truly one of the most brilliant concert performers I have ever seen. If you ever have the opportunity to see Sierra sing live, go, because you're also kind of a brilliant writer. You create these unbelievable concert cabarets where you're telling such beautiful stories in wildly entertaining ways. And I'm wondering <laughs> if there's like more writing ahead for you, if that that's something you're, because that is a skill that a lot of performers do not have. Uh, I don't ever think about it as like writing. I just think about like, uh, what do I want to say about this? And, and that's it. That's it. So I don't feel, I don't even consider myself a writer or that's something that I want to do, but I'm very, uh, particular about my show because if you're coming to see Sierra Boggess in concert it I want it to be my voice whether I'm speaking or singing so I think that's that's where it comes from is that I just want to be in control of like jokes and stories that I tell <laughs> and it, it's so good you're so good at it it's like thank you, you know, I, I think you're like you're a master class on how to put together a cabaret act friend thanking so you. if you're I'm thanking you now <laughs> <laughs> what what is like coming down the pike for you I know you've been involved in so many shows that were like in development pre-covid and lots of things that could come in um what's like other than becoming the world's greatest ice skater um <laughs> what what else are we looking forward to well, I just realized I can say this because we're the Thanksgiving episode. Yes. So I'm telling you and the people these things. Um, so Julian Ovenden and I 
just released an album, a studio album, um, on November 19th. Um, everybody uh, can stream this and, uh, and it's, it's, really exciting because this is something we recorded in studio on two different sides of the world um and it's classic and contemporary musical theater duets and uh i'm just really excited to have a new album out and with one of my favorite people to sing with he's an incredible singer and um he lives in london and i live here that's why our uh in new york and that's why our album is called together at a distance Yay. so yeah and will you guys like tour that or do some that's events what we're together? hoping yeah what we're hoping to do is some touring it's been tricky to put that part of things together just because of covid but once venues are starting to know if they can do more things like this then that's the idea is to be able to tour in the uk and to tour in the u.s so oh. I, I'm very, I'm grateful for that album. I can't wait. Me too. I'm very, very excited. Me All right. Too. So this is Thanksgiving. So I want to talk about the people or, you know, whoever Sierra wants to talk about that you are thankful for today that helped you get to where you are or helped you over some sort of hurdle or helped you realize how that you're the most brilliant person. Oh my God. You. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, well, I guess we start for sure since we talked about her so much, for sure. I always talk about Nancy Priest. Um, she for all the reasons that I said, and also she is and now one of my dear friends and has always uh believed in me and was hard on me. And I do well with that combination of things. Um she is she is somebody who uh, I definitely wouldn't be here without. Um, and also my family, uh, my parents paid for college, which is something that you don't realize how grateful you are until you're an adult and paying for things that's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and they've, they have always been incredibly supportive, probably terrified that I was doing this for a living, but supportive in terms of, coming to see everything and getting excited. My sisters, I wouldn't be here without them. No question I would have survived life on any level growing up without them. And to this day, they're, um, I always say they're way cooler than I am. They're just quieter. So you don't, (laughs) (laughs) but they're so much more interesting and like so much cooler than I am. Um, and then in my in the industry, I was very fortunate that Hal Prince and Jillian Lynn gave me my start. And wow. they became like surrogate grandparents to me. And Hal and I used to get lunch together. I used to go to his office in um uh, Rockefeller and we were and I would go pick up Hal, you know, and then we would go get lunch and talk about we wouldn't it's not even like showbiz. It was just um just talking like friends. And he absolutely believed in me when I was that young to give me that chance to play Christine. And, um, and Jillian and, and I became extremely close and, um, she, I miss them so, so much. There's so many times, especially during this, you know, pandemic and stuff, I wonder how they would have handled things. And when I saw Phantom again, the other night, I just, thought of them so so much and so you know what that's honestly the answer to the question of why do you think people respond to my Christine because Jillian Lynn and Hal Prince are in the DNA of every single thing that I'm doing that's the that's answer. amazing and that's what a, what a, what an absolute dream to get to know those two people and yes. have them in your they helped me get to where I am list it's, it's no pretty, question because if it wasn't for them Nobody, you know, I wouldn't have been cast in, in, yeah. So I'm very grateful to them. Very grateful. You're, you're just an absolute dream, Sarah Bogus. And you know, Mm. you know, I adore you. I am also very grateful to you. And you know, all those people that help theater kids out, you know, when they're, they don't know what to do. And I had a theater on Long Island called The Stage that sometimes have some questionable shows, but they're. The heart there is huge. And sure. they welcomed me in as a little kid. And Tony Georgian, who's passed, and Joe Morrow, who's still running that theater, are just like 
you know, dream people who let me live at their theater for four years of high school. And I was there oh. every weekend and all like it just I was very lucky to have that that space. And every, you know, music teacher that seeks out a kid, Bonnie Utsik was my uh, fifth grade music teacher. It was the first time someone was like, you have really good ear. You sing nice. You know, like the, nice. the person that that seeks out sort of helping a young person figure out maybe there's a world in the arts for them. And I think they're, those are really uh, very special people in my life. And I'm very mm. grateful to them this Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving. Amen. Every day. Every day. Okay. We have to do quick fire questions really quick. Are you ready? Okay. Really quick. Okay, so just go with your first instinct. First okay. audition song. Uh, reflection from Mulan. <laughs> okay. Something you have turned down that you had second thoughts about. Oh, um, uh, uh, turning down Prince of Broadway, actually. Fill in the blank. Andrew Lloyd Webber is? A genius. Uh, I'm skipping the next one. Um, it was strangest stage door interaction and we just don't have time for it. <laughs> well, I can say, I can, I can oh, do that quick. Yeah. Great. Strangest stage door interaction. Um, when a kid gave me a fork off of the table for a little mermaid, a dingle hopper, they gave me an actual fork. That's very sweet. <laughs> and I'm thinking um, like their parents are like, where's this one? Fork? Why, do I, <laughs> why do I only have 10 forks? An artist you would like to work with that you haven't. Wait, one more time. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Um, tell us one thing about performing for the Queen of England. She had the most beautiful skin I'd ever seen. Ooh. Not one um, poor. Do you, do you, not one poor. Not poor. Um, do you watch The Crown? Yes. It's so good, right? Yeah. What revival would you like to star in if you could pick anything? We'll give you all the money. Secret Garden. Oh, yes. I'm putting it out. Um, your favorite Barbara song. He touched me. Okay, favorite Barbara album. Oh God, why you make me do that? She's looking at the Barbara Streisand I'm wall in her at home. Wall, because I don't. Well, I guess I'm quite nostalgic about Butterfly, the Butterfly album. All right. Yeah. Um, what is your go-to album for a car trip? Uh, I don't. I just do a playlist. I do a crazy playlist, which crazy consists playlist. of like Barbara Streisand and Cardi B. And Linda Edder. <laughs> Linda <that>. Edder. <laughs> yes, Linda Edder. I'm yes. thankful for Linda Edder. I'm, I'm thankful for Linda Edder every day. Amen. Um, she's brought a lot of joy into my life. Okay. Mm. Tell us one thing about working with Tyne Daly. Oh, she's the, she's the wisest. She has more wisdom than, I mean, she has so, so, so much wisdom. Who's your number one favorite Broadway leading man? Oh, my God. That's a really hot, number one favorite Broadway leading man. How do I answer that, Mark? I can't I mean, quick fire that. No, all right, forget. We'll it. say Norm Lewis. Norm Lewis. Norm. I Lewis. mean, of course you're going to say Norm Lewis. That's yeah, your daddy Norm man. Lewis. Okay. My daddy. My daddy and weird lover. <laughs> your weird fandom. Um, my dad weird and weird fandom. Okay. Um, if Patty Lapone was to play Carlotta, would you go back into Phantom? Yes. Yes. Okay. Great. <laughs> Even if she didn't. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Great. I'm sure they'd love to have you. Um, can you name two Real Housewives? The Countess Luanne Deliceps, who was at the Phantom reopening the other day. I, I saw chat. her in the DJ box with Andrew, <laughs> with Lord Andrew. Yeah. And that is as crazy as the world can get. The craziest. Um, and then I want to pick someone from like another, from another. Oh, I like Sonia too. Sonia Love Morgan. Sonia Morgan. Okay. <laughs> do you do any impressions? Well, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. That's why I want to work with Jim Carrey so bad. Because I want to do... I'm going to play like the female Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. How are you this afternoon? All righty then. <laughs> um, all right. Is there a TV sitcom family you would like to be a part of? <gasps> oh, God. I mean, I wanted to be a part of Modern Family. Yeah. I mean, just for the residual. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> does Fontaine, this is the second time I've asked this question on this podcast. Does okay. the does your Fontaine bullet boy, when in act two, have a name? Yeah, Marge. So when they put me on, for some reason, they already had like enough bullet boys. So they put me on as a bullet woman. And her name, I called her Marge. I love it. Yeah. Um, if you can go back in time and see, I think I know what the answer is. If yeah. you can go back in time and see any Broadway show. Barbara Streisand and Funny Girl. <laughs> great. <laughs> Did you have braces? Yes. And have I you think seen the... 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you changed the colors? Yeah. Remember you could change the colors. Like I looked forward to that every two weeks or whatever that was where you could have like red, white, and blue for July 4th or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Have you seen Diana on Broadway? No, I have not. Oh, Sierra, I can't wait. Okay. Um, I can't wait to talk about it with you. It's really, okay. it's a sensation. Um, okay. Who makes you starstruck? Barbara Streisand. Yeah. I know have you, you ever... want probably a different one. No, I'm good with that. That's your number okay. one. Have you ever seen a ghost? Yes. Yes, because Milliken is haunted. Milliken is like, there's something about, it, there's books written about it. Haunted Milliken. Oh, yes. Yeah. Did you see the musical Ghost? No, because I was doing oh. Lemon and Rise. Oh, it was good. Um, where would you take Jim Carrey to dinner? <laughs> <laughs> to a Mexican restaurant. Any, any place that is like hole-in-the-wall Mexican food in New York. Okay. Um, what musical... Uh, oh no! Wait, what musical are you okay with never seeing again? With never seeing again? Well, any mm, I don't know. I can't answer okay. that. My Disney training answer. doesn't allow. My Disney training doesn't allow me to answer. That. Oh, I, I yeah, I've had some <laughs> had some Disney stars on this, and they're like really good at answering questions. Okay, yeah. couple more questions. Have you ever left a show at intermission? Yes, in Mermaid, I did. I got really sick. Oh, you went out at intermission. Yeah. Have oh, you ever seen you a show? You don't have yes. to say what it is. Great. I will not say, but yes, I did. Great. And um, yes, I left one. <laughs> I'm I'm okay. What movie can you watch over and over? Uh, What's Up Doc starring Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill. Oh my God, it's so good. And Madeline um, Kahn. What advice? Have you ever seen Judy Berlin? It no. is the greatest Madeline Kahn movie that no one knows, but okay. I have a DVD. I'll bring it over. Okay. Okay, DVD. What advice do you have for young performers? Never let anyone take your joy away from you. And Sierra, my last question. Are you enough? I am so enough. It's unbelievable how enough I am. And yes! so are you. Yes! No, you are. Sierra, tell the people where they can follow you. www.sierramagus.com or on Instagram or on Twitter, on Facebook. All my name, folks. Sierra, I, I love you. I'm like literally in love you. with you on stage, off stage. You are a magic human. God spent a little extra time on you. And <laughs> we're we're really lucky we have you on earth. So oh, thank man. you for taking the time to do the Little Me podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. We'll be off next week, which is actually Thanksgiving. And then we'll be back the first week of December with a brand new episode. Sierra, I love you. Thank you. I and love uh, you. Thank you. What all right. I'll see you all next week. What a gift we what are. What a gift. Woo. Okay, Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.